0: This podcast is brought to you by Bonus Room Productions, and we own this town.
1: I am Jason T. Mears, Esquire. And I'm Kelly Hoyle-Bullock. And we are San Dimas Today. How's it going, Kelly? It's going pretty good, JT.
0: It's a Saturday. It's beautiful outside. You're looking beautiful.
1: Hey, I'm not the guy with a brand new haircut.
0: You know, thank you. I had someone today uh, tell me I... I didn't look a day over thirty-two, and that's been the highlight of my week. Well, I hate to uh, break it to you, brother, but they were lying to you, man. Oh,
1: no! I'm, I'm kidding. No you look kidding. great. You look great. <laughs> you look great. <laughs> You're looking really good today, Kelly.
0: All right, uh, it's been pleasure doing San Dimas today with all of you. Um.
1: <laughs> all right, let's talk about some Billy Dead Man. All right, sounds good. <laughs> okay, so we are going to talk about uh, two specific instances from the films where the boys use time travel to fix a specific predicament that they find themselves in. In the first movie, they are breaking the uh personages of historical importance out of jail.
0: Right, Captain Logan, Ted's dad, they were all arrested at the mall in record response time.
1: Yeah, th- like literally that is the world's most secure mall. At least 80 security guards at that mall.
0: All those guys should be working for FEMA now. They should be. They should be. Absolutely. The beginning of the movie, Ted's dad's keys go missing, right?
1: Right. And and they use it as an instance to show what a hard-ass Captain Logan is. Ted, you got to be more responsible. You know, where are my keys? Mm -hmm. And he's like, I don't know, dad. And then you find out later
0: that Ted really did take them.
1: Yes, he just hadn't taken them yet. Yes. time travel. And then in the second movie, they use the same reasoning and same uh, tool set to defeat Denomolos at the Battle of the Bands. Right. And each time they're like, okay, after we get out of this, we got to remember and go back and steal the keys. We got to set up the garbage can. We got to use a tape recorder. You know, we got to set up a giant uh, jail cell to fall down on Denomolos.
0: So that concept from the first movie, they just inject it full of steroids for the second movie. It goes so far overboard, almost like a Joe Dante move in Gremlins 2, you know?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. They took a great original concept and then just blew it out of the water with absurdity and elegance. And it just, it's a joy to behold. I mean, right, just what right. a great way. And, and then like, of course it's a great, great climax of that movie, but then you've got the great rollout with the credits with the the newspaper segments. Well, God gave rock and roll to you. Playing. And anyway, we bring up the guys using time travel to fix a certain predicament because that's what Kelly and I are gonna do right here. We recorded our first episode and then we went and recorded our second episode. Then we realized we didn't like our first episode. So we went back and re-recorded that first episode. Then before we were able to finish the second episode, we were able to conduct an interview and that interview was so amazing that we decided that we needed to move that interview to be in our second episode. So we moved what was going to be the second episode to the third episode then moved the interview to the second episode, then recorded an intro and an outro to that episode, then realized we did not like the intro and outro to that episode, and then we re-recorded those at least 30 times until you are, you know, here you are. And we have fixed everything, and it's all perfect, and this is literally the greatest broadcast, podcast that has ever been done. There's, this is completely air-free, no mistakes whatsoever. No editing has been done to this, will be done to this. This is going to go straight to the Library of Congress. I'm pretty sure they're, they're going to memorialize this one forever. And did I mention, we got to interview Chris Matheson. Unbelievable. I'm still in shock that we even did this. We we got to sit down for a full half hour over Skype and just pick his brain about Bill and Ted. This guy co-created Bill and Ted with Ed Solomon. He he, he is he's the big get. I mean, right. like.
0: Right. Amazing. I mean, created the characters, co-screenwriter, author now. Um, uh, We got so many great nuggets that we we never even knew about the movie. So we're really excited to to play this interview for you. So everybody sit back. We'll talk to you on the other side of the interview. Here is our interview with Chris Matheson.
1: Excellent! Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, Sure. So first question we have, how did you get started in screenwriting?
2: Well, uh, gosh, I was a theater major in college, and uh, I was going to do theater, and that's actually how Ed and I met, is we took a playwriting class. We both took our first playwriting class together, and uh, we sort of got to be friends that way, and I think we were both kind of doing theater for a while. In fact, we got to be friends because I directed uh, one of his plays. And so we hung out a lot. And uh, I even went to graduate school to study theater directing. And then at a certain point, I just thought, um, I think both of us sort of felt like, well, movies are better for comedy, which generally speaking, I think they are, because you can kind of catch lightning in a bottle, so to speak, in a way that you can't in theater where you have to do it night after night after night after night, harder to keep it fresh, I think. Or at least that's what I thought at the time, um, and I, you know, also theater is just a certain kind of life where you just—it's—it's it's an itinerant life where you're just always moving around, and I didn't, and I, I wanted, you know, to settle, just not be moving all the time. So, uh, just started writing screenplays when I was about 23, maybe 24, and wrote oh four, maybe before Bill and Ted. Uh, not with ed I wrote I wrote four by myself I think he wrote a couple by himself and then we had this idea and and uh, it seemed like a good idea and and, and we wrote it and then it kind of you know with a few bumps it got us in the game
1: oh, that's great so so what was the genesis of the characters of Bill and Ted?
2: Ed and I used to uh, do uh, improv with uh three friends on Sunday night. We just not for an audience just to kind of play with ideas and, and throw, <clears throat> you know, we, we were young comedy writers and, and we wanted to, to just uh, play with stuff. So we'd improvise. We would just throw ideas around and we, we, we try stuff. And one night, um, I suggested as an idea for, for, a, a scene, uh, two teenage boys, who don't know anything about history studying for history and Ed and I played the two characters and we just started it was it was kind of interesting because almost from the start we just kind of t- talked to each other and that Bill and Ted you know, it was like how's it going dude how's it going dude good you know uh, and they didn't know anything obviously they knew they knew absolutely nothing every everything was either excellent or bogus <laughs> and uh but they were really fun to play and we did it i don't know how long the skit was it wasn't very long it was probably 10 minutes but 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 they were really fun and they were so much fun that we went out afterwards to a coffee shop and we just kept doing them we kind of stayed in character and for i don't know you know a couple hours maybe and by the end of those couple hours we had an idea we had a, a reasonably good idea of who bill and ted were i mean by the end of those two hours i don't Know exactly what we had, but we might very well have had Ted's dad and and Missy and and Bill's dad and doing bad in high school and I don't think we had Rufus. We didn't have Rufus yet, but and we had stuff that fell off along the way, like like their mothers, for right. instance. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, that,
1: that, that's something we're going to talk about in the future on the show. But yeah, that that's, that's yeah. Why did why
2: did Bill and Ted not have mothers? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, that's it, that's, it, that's it, on it our hit list. To, Ed and I have talked about that many times. Why do these guys not have? What does that say about us?
1: Do, do you have I any insight like, into that before we talk about it later? It's like a like an
0: eighties LA thing? Just nobody had any – no problems. no. It's,
2: it's, <laughs> it's deep. It's deep. You know, Chris and Ed's psychodrama is what it amounts to. It's mother stuff. That's what it is. Actually, like we didn't know how to. We did I mean, Ted did have a mother that we wrote but Ted's mother was off screen and she was just always yelling at him. She was always saying, dad, where are you going? You know, she was kind of shrewish actually. And, uh, and we have Bill say to him, Ted, your mom's so fat. She can't even come out. And, and, and Ted saying, dude, it's a glandular problem. Bill saying, yeah. She's got fat glands. Um, I don't, you know, but, uh, yeah, anyway. So by, so by the end of that, we had, we had a, we we really kind of fell for them fast, and we started playing around with them, just to, you know being them because we liked being them because it's always really been fun to be Bill and Ted. It's always it's just kind of a it's just very relaxing place to be. Um, and uh, we would uh, I went back to grad school and we would write letters back and forth as Bill and Ted. We'd get on the phone and talk as Bill and Ted. And uh, just kind of with no real notion of putting him in a movie yet, we just thought they were fun characters. They were just fun. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, as young aspiring screenwriters, we thought, well, maybe we could put these guys in a movie. And we started looking for the idea and and we ended up uh, landing on time travel.
1: That's fantastic. So which one of you was Bill and which one of you was Ted? Or, Or were they unnamed at that point?
2: Now, you know, the thing about Bill and Ted and, and me and Ed is we've both always been both. It, yes. it, it's always gone back and forth. It's never been the case that, like, you know, he was Bill and I was Ted or vice versa. It's always kind of been we just write. We just when we get going, we just do the dialogue back and forth kind of tennis, mm-hmm. you know, just and then go back to the start and just go Bill, Ted, Bill, Ted, Bill, Ted. Um, now, so many years later they're very different for us. But back then, they were kind of like one guy. So we would just, you know, we would just write dialogue and then and then break it up.
1: That That's almost the central thesis of our first episode. We we talked about Bill and Ted. And if there were differences between the two, and we, we ultimately landed on the fact that, no, they're they're almost the same person. Like, if you look at Station. they're kind
2: of one yeah it's, yeah. It's, it's two guys one brain sort of yeah, yeah
1: and it, it's it's just genius and if you look at the scripts there's almost no scene where they're not both in the scene together or even shots if you if you see a shot bill and Ted yeah. are in the shot together it's just great
2: yeah pretty much that was our idea for them that they they we wanted them to enter every scene talking like they just have basically a non-stop dialogue it, they enter every scene talking, they exit every scene talking, and they're talking all the time. They're just constantly <laughs> sort of talking to each other.
0: And when, when you're talking about just enjoying being those characters, yeah. you know, it, it's evident to me over the years in rewatching the movie, what makes it so rewatchable is that I think as a viewer, we love to go back into that world. It's a nice place to be.
2: <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, I kind of I, I, I mean, it's I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that I, I kind of believe that I, I think that what makes it um, what gives it its lasting meaning, let's say, is that Ed and I. Loved those guys instantly. I mean, we loved them. We really did. We just loved being, and they were like some weird alter egos for us, probably. We really loved them. And then it was very obvious that Alex and Keanu loved playing them, and they were, and they enjoyed it. And they, and they basically f- established a lifelong friendship on the basis. I mean, Alex and Keanu had never met before uh, they played Bill and Ted and they're still very close friends 30 plus years later. Right. So there was something about, I mean, I'm not saying Bill and Ted is the reason why they're still close friends, but I think maybe bonding that wave right off the bat, um, as these guys, I, I don't know, maybe that, I mean, I, I don't know. I have nothing. I have no idea actually whether that plays into their long term friendship, but I like to think so. And I think that people, um, yeah, they like that the, the Bell and Ted mindset is nice. It feels good. It's it's a very positive way of looking at life, actually.
0: Mm-hmm. Two characters that lifelong buddies, you would just assume. And it happens for the guys that play them. It happens for two guys doing a podcast at 40 years old about yeah. their favorite movie. You yeah, know? yeah we... uh,
1: So you you guys wrote the script. You shopped it around. Obviously, got picked up. Was there anything in that original script that – uh, you wished it made it to the screen that didn't
2: good question i don't know you know i haven't read the original script in a while it is remarkably close to That's what we wrote in fact um steve herrick the director was really very faithful to what we wrote and this was a, a kind of a different era in comedy making um comedy making now tends to be like just improvise you know like use the script as a launching pad and get a bunch of good improvisers and improvise it it wasn't really like that it was really there's a little bit i mean the guys do you know alex definitely improvises a little bit here and there and he's good at it but there wasn't a ton of that it was it was pretty um It it was pretty close to what we wrote. I'd have to think about that. Um, Like when we first wrote it, we had Rufus had a dog that traveled with him named Dog Rufus. (laughs) uh, Bill and Ted, you know, really loved Dog Rufus and Dog Rufus. And, you know, we liked Dog Rufus. So I was I was uh, sorry to see uh, Dog Rufus go. I would say in the second movie, there were definitely some things that I wish would have reached the screen but we didn't get right so they didn't you know they, they didn't end up in the movie which was kind of a, a drag mm-hmm. but the first movie is pretty close actually
1: before the second movie came out i remember buying the comic book adaptation and uh-huh. re- reading the the original ending where you know bill and ted die several times and they cash in on their uh wins against <laughs> the grim reaper and the the fears come back to attack them yeah. as they're in the van uh, were you guys involved in the the rewrite of the ending there Was that done? by? Yeah, we,
2: you know, yeah, sure. We were because basically, and I don't know exactly why, but it just didn't work. Sometimes you film stuff that just doesn't work. It just, it just didn't work. It didn't come off. And so we had to adjust. And so we had to write new stuff, which we did. Yeah.
0: So, so going back to Alex and Keanu becoming a part of the project initially, was that just, you know, through sort of a normal casting kind of method that you guys did? or?
2: Yeah, uh, basically. Right? I mean, the movie, it, it, it sort of bumped around for it. It, it, it got picked up in uh, early 1985, and then we did some sort of development of it, including a, a draft, which was a terrible In fact,
1: um,
2: (laughs) where I'm not sure whether we actually wrote it or whether we just outlined it, but there was a version per a director who was a very the the wrong director for the project, but he wanted to turn to have them travel around and like giant robots like transformers like they were driving transformers around not a phone booth not a van which it was originally it was just a van a 1969 Chevy van to be we clear to we're talking that. about
1: Robert Redford here right he was the original yes, director yes are talking about Robert, yeah. <laughs>
2: okay exactly no it's actually to give it away to Stanley Kubrick okay right? yeah that makes sense <laughs> but, but uh no of course it wasn't Stanley Kubrick <laughs> no i'm not going to say that. I'm, I'm not, no 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 of course not we're we're not, not looking gonna, for dirt but, here uh, <laughs> if it was Stanley Kubrick i would have said yes sir mr kubrick like <laughs> I, (laughs) Is there anything else you'd like? Um, But uh, and uh, that it had a climactic scene where Ted actually was sent to Oates Military Academy. And Bill has to, I think, drive a giant robot up to Alaska (laughs) and rescue. I mean, it was way, way wrong. I mean, it was really wrong. And they even changed the title from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which they thought was a bad title. Somebody thought was a bad title to just dudes. It was just dudes. It was called dudes for a while. (laughs) Which that that is...
1: sounds like a 1970s uh, western starring Kirk Douglas. You
2: know? <laughs> I, th- there is, I think there is a movie called Dudes. In <laughs> fact, I'm not sure, but I believe there is. But uh, so that went on, and then the studio that had bought it, they, you know, it just sort of kicked around, and then and then the studio that wanted to make it, they 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 bought it, and the, and uh, and then we just began the process of getting the movie made and casting it. And Alex and Keanu were two of the actors who came in to audition. And I think it was pretty obvious to everybody from the start. I remember looking at tapes. I mean, we weren't in the room. Ed and I were not in the room. Um, But I remember they showed us tapes and I remember watching the tapes. And I think it was obvious to everybody that they were the two guys.
1: Well, I'd say it worked out well. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it did, you know, because you don't have the two, you don't have the right two guys playing Bill and Ted. Well, it's not going to work, you know, it's just not, it's just because like, this is not, this is the mid 1980s. And of course, the Dreamcast at that moment, and, and people talked about it, was, um, Michael J. Fox and Anthony Michael Hall. That's that's what they wanted to do. That's oh, what they wow. were hoping for. Wow! And uh, those guys are both talented. You know, right, I don't, yeah. I'm, I'm not I'm not dissing on either one of those guys. That would have never worked.
1: Yeah, they, they're not Bill and Ted. Did, not did, at all. Did, did, did you guys close. have a type or a person that you envisioned for Rufus?
2: I, you know, Ed might have something different in his mind for. Well, yes, when we were writing it we had uh, David Lee Roth in mind that's who <laughs> we were that's who we were thinking of when we wrote it then we got into actual casting and my fantasy at the time was uh, Ringo Starr. I really wanted Ringo Starr to play the part. Um, and uh, But, you know, it ended up being Carlin. And Carlin's great. I mean, oh. Carlin's fantastic.
1: Yeah, nobody's going to argue with George Carlin. No, were, were you no guys, not at all. Were you guys
2: please? Were you hoping
1: for all the musical musician cameos that you guys got in both the films? Was that something that you were trying to bake into the DNA? Or was that just... Do I
2: know? don't think that ever crossed our mind. I, I think that would have been more the producers and more okay. kind of like... Yeah, you know it's a little uh, bonus for the audience in a way I I don't remember it other than Rufus mm-hmm. it never it, it never maybe maybe Ed and I thought oh famous musicians should play the great people but I don't know okay. I don't remember ever having that conversation we might have but I don't remember
0: well well it certainly provides all these years later for great little like Easter eggs in both movies so even yeah. re- Rewatching it. Rewatching Bogus Journey recently and realized, I just realized for the first time that Tosh Mahal is the gatekeeper there. So that, <laughs> that was really neat.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool, huh?
1: So at what point did you guys think, all right, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, doing pretty well, we should start working on a sequel?
2: Well, you know, we loved Bill and Ted, and we loved writing the first movie. So I would say in 1984, I remember we'd written it, we wrote it in the fall of 1984, and um, and, we, and we liked it and we felt proud of it and thought it was pretty good. It, you know, it ended up taking a little while for it to find its place, but we we thought it was really fun and 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 I think we thought it was funny. And so even then, before anything happened, I remember Ed and I waiting. Up all night for tickets to a Springsteen concert in fall of '84. Back in the day, where you'd line up outside a record store, you'd line up for Ticketmaster or whatever, and so that you could get good good seats. I don't believe that happens anymore because now everybody does it online. Mm. But so we were, so we basically were just in this line all night. And we were starting to talk about a sequel. We were starting to talk about what, what we would do if if we brought him back for another story. So he and I were thinking about it almost instantly. But in a business sense, the once the once first I would say the first movie came out and it had a good opening weekend. And then it sort of hung in there. And I would say within a couple of weeks, we were starting to hear noise that they wanted a sequel. So... We got into it.
1: So then, at what point did you guys start talking about? And we're not going to get into specifics here because we understand, you know, the future is unwritten. But at what point did you start considering Bill and Ted Three, and what might happen there?
2: I remember at the at the premiere of Bogus Journey, and this is in 1991, and I remember saying to Alex and Keanu what do you guys think? Could we ever do a number three? And it was like shrugs, like, I don't know, maybe, you know, if there was a good idea, who knows, maybe. And then it just sort of went silent for a long time, and there was really no talk about it at all until, well, quite a long time passed. I would say about 15 years passed, but somewhere around two thousand seven eight ed and i started talking about it and we said what if we took a shot at that um which was kind of a foolish thing to do because we didn't own the material um mgm owns the material it's Mm -hmm. theirs it's like remodeling a rental house do you know what i mean (laughs) like we don't own it but we wanted to do it because we loved the characters and we thought well we'll just do it and hope for the best so, uh, we met with Alex and Keanu a number of times and, and, um, until we, we came up with an idea that we all liked and then we, yeah, we got into it and, uh, wrote it. And, and now are, <laughs> yes, very, very close to getting it made, but still kind of waiting on a few things. It's hard to get a movie made. Yeah. It really is. It's, it's, it takes a kind of a, uh stars being aligned sort of thing
0: so you know one of the things i've always wanted to ask with these movies uh you know i thought they were pretty unique kind of buddy comedies for their time and place and i'm wondering what maybe your thoughts are on the influence that that had for movies that came out after that and you know specifically i can think of uh you know i think it's a quote from dana carvey in that live from new york book where when he was initially presented with the idea of Wayne's world, he always kind of felt like they were just ripping off bill and Ted. I don't know (laughs) if you ever knew that, but
2: (laughs) yeah, no, I did. I did see that quote. Yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, yeah. I mean, I got to admit the first time I saw Wayne's world, I was like, wow. Okay. Damn. (laughs) That's kind of similar. Isn't it? It ends up being a very different animal. Then Bill and Ted, it's uh, it's it's got a whole different vibe to it. And it's funny in its own way. Um, Yeah, I mean, I would think that there's definitely there's some some influence there. Other than that, I mean, there were definitely I mean, like, like, I never even saw Dude, Where's My Car? I would assume something like Dude, Where's My Car? was influenced by Bill and Ted. Um, I don't know. Beyond that, I'm not I don't. I'm not really sure. Yeah, do you you think? Uh, I mean, in truth, you you just you kind of gotta love the characters. It's not something you can fake. You Mm -hmm. couldn't like cynically do a Bill and Ted knockoff because what makes Bill and Ted Bill and Ted is not the plot. It's not the story. It's not the structure. It's it's the guys, Mm -hmm. and it's that we actually really really loved them you know
1: yeah uh, do you do you think that m- the original movie would get made today
2: probably yeah i mean i, I don't see why it wouldn't i mean it's a pretty c- catchy little idea i mean it's pretty uh, i would think so it wasn't really expensive and uh yeah, I would, I w- it wouldn't shock me if it did. It's not the kind of movie that I'd look at and go, oh, my God, that would never, ever in a million years get made today.
1: Um, so, so it's not your heaven's gate is what you're
2: saying. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that, that's good. That that uh, gives me hope for the future. That, that's fantastic. You have transitioned. You, you are now, it, it appears, working more on novels come out. You had one just come out a few months ago, right?
2: I did. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh I I'm from films other than Bill & Ted 3, I would say I'm retired from movies. Oh, movies okay. movies are it's hard work, you know. It's it's a, it's a it's a it's a rewarding job, but it's a it's it's a tough job in a lot of ways. And um, yeah, I mainly write books now.
1: That's fantastic. So it sounds like that was a pretty easy transition for you then. to... Move to something that you've got a little bit more control over.
2: Yeah, it's uh, writing. Writing books is um, is is very nice. <sighs> writing movies is you're know, creating a map essentially for other people to make a journey, and it takes hundreds of people to make that journey, and uh, at least a dozen of them are very, very super important and can completely ruin the journey just single handedly. Uh, the wrong actor, the wrong, certainly the wrong director, um, the wrong producer, the wrong cinematographer, the the wrong actor. Timed. Somebody
1: wanting to uh, add giant robots to your script.
2: <laughs> yeah, that kind. Of, yeah, that that kind of thing. Whereas a book, you just write it. It is what it is, and uh, that's from a writer's standpoint. That's kind of satisfying.
1: It, it looks like uh, if you if you you know, glance back at your output for the past five or six years, it seems you've been focusing a lot on uh, theological humor. Is there something? That, <laughs> I, and I don't mean you to pigeonhole say, you at all, but... Uh, you, you could know. say that. <laughs> so uh, what, what draws you to that and, and uh, finding the humor?
2: Oh, you know, uh, anti-authoritarianism, let's say. <laughs> Great. I, I, think don't like, I don't like uh, absolute truth. I don't like the idea of absolute truth. I don't like people saying, I know... What life is, I know reality. I'm let me tell you what it is, and if you don't agree with me, <laughs> you're gonna burn forever. I don't <laughs> like that, that rubs me the wrong way. So I just thought, yeah, okay, this is a worthy subject to make fun of and um and it's so that's what i've been doing but
1: that's fantastic i've got to say in the story of god every time you actually quote the bible after one of the absurd sentences that's written it's like (laughs) a a little gut punch of humor it's just so great (laughs) it's just so great
2: well that's 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 good to hear it's it's uh the bible is a tremendous source of found comedy yes in my
0: I, I would love to see your iteration of God from that book, like, on film. That would be pretty neat.
2: <laughs> yeah, that would be fun, wouldn't it? I know. I Yeah, you and me both. You and me both. Who, who would I, you but... cast as God? <laughs> oh, I, I, I mean, you get the best actor. I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis, if he'd come out. I mean, <laughs> right. you get the best. I mean, there's a version of things mm-hmm. where you just play him as a just a big blustery buffoon and Will Ferrell kills it, you know, because <laughs> yeah. he's oh, really, wow. really funny. But the most interesting version is the tormented self-hating version. Mm-hmm. And that's Daniel day Lewis.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, well, I, I think we're about out of time. I, I can't thank you enough for coming on and, and talking with us. This has been fantastic.
2: Oh, yeah, my pleasure. And uh, I hope, I hope it all goes well.
1: Oh man, that
0: was amazing. Chris Matheson, right? I just don't know what to say after that. He was just a pleasure to speak to. Um I you know, I really love the sound of his voice. Oh
1: yeah, it's it's like soothing. <laughs> you know, I I, I want to like listen to his voice as I go to sleep at night. Right, right. And I I've, I've been listening to the audiobook of his
0: first book. Yeah. Um and Does he him. read it?
1: Yep, yeah, he reads it. Oh Doesn't both. Yeah. So I, I was the guy who went ahead and bought both books, but now I got to get the audiobooks too to listen to as well. And so if you haven't Read them or listen to them Absolutely be sure to go to Amazon And pick up copies of The Story of God and The Trouble with God Uh, Great books Hilarious, cannot recommend them highly enough Well I think that about wraps it up For us for this episode, right? I think it does, I want to thank Scott Bricklin And Scooby Tunes for the use Of the most excellent song Walk Away as our theme music Right, can't Uh,
0: get the riff out of my head
1: No, never will, never will Want to thank We Own This Town, Michael Eads, our producer and uh, Kelly, be excellent to each other. Party on, dudes! Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at San Demas Today. We're definitely shop jog territory. Bogus! <laughs> How's it going, Royal Ugly Dudes? <laughs>